0: everyone, and welcome to another beautiful Thursday morning. You're listening to Bhavani and I Green on the Progressive Radio Network. And I have a great show for you today. My guest is going to be Richard Anderson. He is the Chief Executive Officer or Chief Marketing Officer at Bloom Again Brooklyn, which is a great nonprofit that I'm excited to tell you all about. And he'll be coming on in just a little bit. But first, I want to share with you some ways you can take action, some things in the news. And of course, share my weekly recipe with you. First, what's in the news is just so, so sad. Um, You know, every week I open the paper and my heart is just breaking. I mean, another mass shooting and this time in an elementary school. You know, I know my show is supposed to be focusing on food, but how can you talk about food in the time of grief? Although you can, because, with all these life cycle events, food plays such a big part of it. But right. my heart is breaking. We have to do something in this country. And we are just not holding our legislators accountable for these mass shootings. And we need to. They need to stand up like big people against the gun lobbyists and do something about this. Because right now, we have mass shootings almost every day. I mean, the statistics that I was reading was unbelievable. How many mass shootings there were already in this year, and we're only five months into the year. It's unbelievable. Hundreds and hundreds. There's there's like two shootings a day. People are afraid to go into the subways now in New York. I mean, we are just living in such crazy times. And we've talked about mental health before. Um, we you know I wrote about it a few weeks ago when it was in the news with, you know, all the young people. Um, teenagers, how mental health is skyrocketing, and how many teenagers are spending nights in the emergency rooms. We just are living in such a crazy time. And, um, you know, the war in Ukraine's not helping the pandemic, the climate crisis. I mean, we have huge, huge, sad, um, sad headlines every day. And we all need to do what we can to um, make it better. And you know what I wrote about this week in my newsletter is that when you see injustice taking place, when you see bigotry, anti-racist, anti-Semitism, or hear a racist remark or an anti-gay remark, you need to speak up. Staying silent in itself is a form of action. If we hear or see injustice taking place in front of us if we see someone being mean, even bullying, even if it's not your child and you think oh you shouldn't get involved you should get involved you need to say something we you know it the old saying of it takes a community to raise a child it does um, We can't just leave it to the parents and we can't blame the parents either. I mean you know sure parents can teach anti-Semitism and teach bigotry um, in the home. But a lot of times it's also who, who ends up being someone's friend or what gang they get involved with or whatever. So we can't can't just blame it on the parents. Um, I know having had three kids, every one of my children is different. Um, kids do come in with some of their own stuff, whether you pay, believe in past life stuff or not. Um, but every child is an individual and they need to be taught about love and peace and compassion and everything that can help make this world a better place. And so please, you know, speak up, help out when you see something taking place that does not feel right to you, it is not right. Um, this weekend, you know, the NRA is supposed to be holding their their annual conference in Texas, in Houston where this last mass shooting took place. And there's a lot of um, petitions out there to try to get them to not hold the um, conference this year, to skip it. We really, we need to get guns out of this country. No other country is going through what we're going through. And um, we really need to do something. One thing that I thought, I was trying to look through the newspapers, trying to find something that wasn't horrible to, add in the news, and I actually saw that for the first time in decades, Congress is publicly addra- addressing the sighting of UFOs. So I thought that was a little lighter. Um, you know, maybe there's there is life on other planets, and um, I'd say there's a good chance there is because they are sighting UFOs and they are seeing these flying objects that are coming from somewhere else that are. Um, unexplained and i just thought it was really interesting so i shared a couple articles from the new york times on my website if you're interested in seeing that or just go to the new york times and google you know search ufos and you'll see the articles but i thought it was really interesting that they're no longer just telling people they're crazy but they're actually looking into um, where these flying objects are coming from so i want to share with you my weekly recipe before i invite richard to come on um, I've been having so much fun with mushrooms. We um, inoculated some oak logs a few years ago with some shi- shiitake spores. And we also um, put some spores of wine cap mushrooms down in the garden. Um, our oyster mushrooms, you know, which we had to do actually in uh, straw and hang in the basement. We haven't been doing those lately. But the wine caps and the shiitakes are just blooming in the garden and we've been having a lot of fun. So um, my recipe this week is really just a side order, but I made such a big batch of sauteed mushrooms that it was great. I was just putting mushrooms in that were already cooked and ready to go on top of my salads, in my pastas, putting them in sandwiches. It was just really a lot of fun. So make a big batch of sauteed mushrooms. And this is what I did. I cut up two onions um, into slivers I had six cups of sliced mushrooms. That's a big batch of mushrooms. Um, and any assortment that you like would work. I put in some olive oil on the bottom of the wok. I think it was about a quarter of a cup. Um, I had I added a third cup of sherry wine, a tablespoon of minced garlic, some tamari to taste, and some fresh chopped parsley. I started by trimming off the stems of the mushrooms and um, and wiping the mushrooms really well. You don't want to wash mushrooms under water because they absorb the water and get really waterlogged and then get soggy and it's hard to get them really caramelized if you wash them under water. So just take a a damp rag and wipe them down, both sides of the mushrooms. Um, Then uh, gonna heat the oil in the bottom of the wok, add the onions first, and the onions take a little longer to cook. So you're gonna cook those until they start becoming soft. Um, Then you can add the mushrooms and cook those for a few minutes until the mushrooms start to wilt and really get cooked. Add the garlic. You don't want to let the garlic burn. So once you add the garlic, keep stirring it constantly. Um, Then add the sherry wine. And the sherry is going to um, steam the mushrooms and help them cook the rest of the way. And once the um, liquid is all absorbed, mushrooms um, put out some of their own liquid plus the sherry, Keep cooking it until all of the liquid is absorbed. And at the very end, you're going to splash it with some tamari, which is going to glaze all of those mushrooms and kind of caramelize them and make them really sweet. And that's it. And then garnish it with some fresh chopped parsley. Couldn't be easier. It's so quick. But like I said, I was adding it to things all week long, and it was really, really delightful. Um, One other thing I wanted to share with you is that the Environmental Working Group, which is a organization that I talk about a lot because they have so many great scorecards and guides for consumers, just came out with their new consumer guide for sunscreen. And I know, you know, people are so afraid of the sun with good reason um, and glob sunscreen onto their kids all the time. But you don't think about your skin being your largest organ and you absor- absorb everything for your skin. So you don't wanna put your standard commercialized sunscreen on your skin because it's loaded with lots of chemicals. And we have very few regulations in beauty products and in cosmetics and in sunscreen, things that go on our skin. So we, you really need to be your own, your own guide and support person when it comes to that. So the environmental work, group just came out with their sunscreen guide. They separated between best sunscreen, recreational sunscreens, best baby sunscreens, best ones for daily use. Um, You know, and then they really break down what the different ingredients that are in sunscreen is. So check out their guide and use it and check out environmental working group in general, EWG.org. They have the dirty dozen list, which are the 12 vegetables that have Um, the most um, pesticides and herbicides, the ones that you want to really buy organic. They also have the Clean 15 list, which are the 15 least sprayed um, vegetables that if you're watching your budget and you can't buy everything organic, those are the 15 that are least uh, important to buy organic. So um, do check out the Environmental Working Group. And now it's my pleasure to introduce all of you to Richard Anderson. He goes by the name of Rick. Um, And for over 40 years, he's been a successful marketing communications and public relations strategist to a wide range of public and private companies, government agencies, and nonprofits. He was the co-director of the financial services practice at Fleischmann-Hillard and co-founder of the Global Consulting Group, now part of NASDAQ. Rick began his career with Textron and later served um, as Assistant Secretary of Economic Affairs to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts under two governors. He now brings his talents to this wonderful nonprofit that we're going to talk about today called Bloom Again Brooklyn. It's an organization committed to reducing social isolation and loneliness among vulnerable populations by creating connections and conversations through repurposed flowers. And I couldn't be happier to have Rick on. Rick, are you with me?
1: I'm with you, Babani. Thank you so much for inviting uh, me and and Bloom again uh, uh, on your show.
0: Well, I'm so happy to have you here. I heard about you, your organization, actually through another organization um, that has a similar mission. That's starting up and using your organization as a model. So um, they're not they're not up and running yet. So I didn't want to invite them on. But I looked into what you do and um, was just blown away by how many lives. Bloom Again Brooklyn is touching, so maybe you could first start by just telling us about Bloom Again um, Brooklyn and what it is and when you started, etc.
1: Absolutely, I guess uh, you know uh, not to digress off, but you know when you were talking before about you know the uh, current environment and you know the the uh, things that we're dealing with from you know. Uh, Texas. And uh, again, uh, it's, you know, you you look, uh, you try to, you know, the anecdote for all the evil things are the good things that people I think have to concentrate on. And uh, there's a wonderful, probably the the most famous uh, American botanist was named Luther Burbank. And he has a very famous quote. He says that flowers always make people better, happier, and more helpful. They are the sunshine, food and medicine for the soul. And, you know, Bloom Again Brooklyn uh, pretty much embodies that quote. Uh, We started my wife, Caroline Anderson, was the founder of Bloom Again Brooklyn. Uh, The Bloom Again Brooklyn was sort of a, you know, kind of came about in a very serendipitous way. Caroline always grew up with flowers uh, in her family, and her life. Um, Her career was marked really in the visual uh, arts. Uh, She was an art gallerist, and then for more than 25 years, she was head of visual content for Scholastic Publishing. I think everybody is familiar with Scholastic. And when she retired, and this was about eight years ago, nine years ago, Uh, She went back to the art world, and she was representing some local artists, and uh, one very good artist here in Brooklyn, and she decided to do a little uh, pop-up gallery show, and she uh, went and asked a local florist who had a beautiful little flower shop on Atlantic Avenue if, uh, you know, she'd be interested in uh, opening up her shop to have this uh, art exhibit and she said that would be great and Caroline knew that it was a wonderful interplay between you know art and flowers and so here was this beautiful artwork uh a local artist on and Ken Rush had lovely you know kind of Ed- Edwin Hopper type scenes in Brooklyn and New York as well as the countryside um and interspersed with these beautiful flowers at the end of that show uh Caroline turned to the gallery the uh, uh flower shop owner uh Phoebe and said so what happens to these flowers at the end of the day that you know that aren't sold and Phoebe said you know the floral industry is a very wasteful industry we really you know we 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 trash them we spoil them so Caroline said but why can they be saved and she said yes they can with the proper care so that started the wheels in moving in her mind and so she set out uh to see what she could do to uh turn you know what was a wasteful uh you know beautiful asset uh into something you know that could be you know repurposed and used and so uh, that's how it started um, she had a, a partner early on, a lovely woman who was a retired executive from Merck. And if my wife was here, she'd tell you that, you know she's sort of the networker, but she can't get from point A to point B. So she needed a partner who could direct her. And that was uh, her partner, Donna. And so the two of us set out and actually started on the, our back deck here in Brooklyn. Um, and we first went to a local retailer uh, Trader Joe's and asked what, you know, what happens to the flowers at the end of the day or, you know, that, um, you know, that aren't sold. And they said, well, uh, we get them every day, pretty much. And uh, and so they end up, you know, if there's a bad rose in a bunch, we have to, we have to spoil them. We have to throw them away. So. Caroline said, "Well, would it be possible if we could, you know, uh, take those? Would you donate them to us?" And they said, "Sure, absolutely." And then she went to a couple of florists and, you know, posed the same question: "What, you know, would you, you know, can we take these flowers off your hand that aren't sold that you're going to be throwing away?" So that's sort of what started it. And then we learned that, uh, and she learned that with the proper care water is you know water is the life of flowers and you know you you change the water you cut back the flowers and flowers can last you know anywhere from a week to 10 days and even longer uh, if properly cared for so that's sort of where it began and then of course she had to find where you know where who you know where, who could i take these flowers to well there's a local nursing home in our neighborhood here in Brooklyn. We're in in, you know, the Cobble Hill Carroll Garden section of Brooklyn. And she went over there and said, you know, to the people, you know, would you be interested if we brought you fresh flowers every week? And these people looked at her and they said, Are you kidding me? <laughs> fresh flowers? For our residents, and this is a this is a very large uh, health center. It has more than it's both long term and rehab, and had you know more than 400 uh, uh, residents there. So uh, they said we would be absolutely delighted. So um, just the idea of just marching in with a whole bunch of flowers to a uh, health center and passing them out, or you know, giving them to residents. It sounds easy, but there's a lot of challenges involved. Um, and so uh, Caroline and, and her uh, partner Donna, you know, thought, okay, let's let's do this the right way. So they actually went in and conducted um, a uh, 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 I forget what you call it. It's uh, uh, when when a marketing comp when a company wants survey. To- well, it's that sort of a survey, it's it, you, you deal. You, you talk to a bunch of people who are the potential consumers of something. Um, and so what they did was they, they had a bunch of the, the residents there and they talked to them about what would they like, how would they like it. And they found out that, well, their rooms are small, they don't have a lot of space, so you can't bring in big vases of flowers. You have to have little ones where they can sit by the bedside or on their, their dresser. And so we then designed and we were able to uh, have a very kind of a a little sort of a julep cup, which is plastic, not glass. And so, you know, you learn these things. And uh, then of course uh, uh, the uh, nurses there, the staff, took a survey of the residents. What kind of flowers would you like? What kind of colors would you like? And so ultimately we, we had a kind of a spreadsheet of, you know, which flowers go to, you know, Mrs. Jones, or you know, Mr. Uh, Anderson, or what, have you, really? and then, um, but you know, going back to the the quote from Luther Burbank, you know, flowers really, you know, make people happy, especially people who not are not used to getting flowers, and and this is this is the joy of it. That is, it opens up a conversation, um, and it also connects with the recipient. And you know, as a result, it makes somebody feel like, oh, somebody cares about me. Um, I feel so much better. And it also provokes many you know, many wonderful memories from people in their you know, childhood going back. And we have found it. And so we started with this one nursing home, and then we expanded to about seven uh, nursing homes in Brooklyn. And then we started with senior centers. And then one of our largest partners is the YWCA here in Brooklyn, which houses over 300 former trauma and homeless uh, survivors, women. And it's a wonderful facility. And we bring flowers in there every week. And now we have over over 80 community partners that range from, uh, especially during the pandemic, um you know emergency rooms frontliners, um lgbtq centers there's a wonderful center here in brooklyn called sage um uh, and you know food pantries so the, the list goes on and on and on and we've expanded our our program so that um and if you want to ask a question i'm I'm going to go on i'm going to stop for a minute because i know you probably want to you know uh, stop because i I think we you know i'll let you I'll, i'll stop for a second
0: wow it's amazing so um you know i'm sure you have besides this organization i was talking about in connecticut i'm sure your program has inspired so many people so now do you have franchises of your program going on where people are replicating what you're doing and doing it in other places.
1: Uh, we have been um, contacted by uh, people uh, all over the country, and um, you know, it's it, uh, it's something that we would love to be able to, you know, franchise or you know, create a way a mechanism to be able to help them start it up. And unfortunately, we're an all volunteer organization. Um, and currently we have over 350 volunteers. We do have wow. three uh, part-time staff members. Um, and we wish we had all the resources and the time to be able to reach out to all the people. You know, we've, we've had inquiries, uh, if you if you would believe it, from Tokyo, from Japan, to California, uh, to Europe, people who would like to start, you know, bloom again brooklyn and you know we give them as much advice as, as we possibly can uh, but our, we have our hands full so much here uh in new york city because we are the only organization uh non-profit or profit but, but really only uh organization in the whole new york metropolitan area that accepts donated flowers we, t- we accept donated flowers from weddings corporate events um We have now uh, five different programs. In addition to our weekly uh, flower sessions, we go in with our community partners and we do teaching workshops with senior centers. We have a program called Agents of Change where we go into the public schools and private schools and we teach kids how to give back, how to create little uh, arrangements that are then, you know, either taken back to their their parents or, you know, given away to other people. Um, it's been a very popular program. We also are volunteers. Uh, I have a
0: question. Do you sure. When you go into the school, do you charge for that program, or you don't charge for any of your programs?
1: Um, we do. We, you know, we're a nonprofit, so uh, you know, we have expenses, obviously um you know material expenses uh transportation expenses and so what we do is we we you know we ask that they cover you know just the cost Mm -hmm. of our, our you know our expenses and then you know make a donation to bloom again and that'll vary according to you know the capabilities of the organization or you know uh what they can afford for instance um Right now, as everybody knows uh, weddings, which had been postponed for, you know, year and a half, two years. Now, everybody's getting married and we are busy as all uh, all get out. We're doing, you know, like four weddings this coming weekend. We're in the middle of the night. Our man with a van will go pick up the flowers and then we'll take them back to uh, we, uh, the YWCA that I mentioned in Brooklyn. They set aside a space for us. So we are we can go in there in the middle of the night, bring our flowers. Um, we don't have refrigeration. So what this means is, is that this is a kind of a logistical miracle. What comes in in the morning has to go out in the afternoon and, you know, so that they have to be cut back, rearranged. Um, and then, of course, uh, then they go out to you know, wherever uh, we're going to be delivering those flowers. So we have you know, the weekend crews that do the weddings and the events, and then during the week, and then we have our special workshops as well as our, our school programs. Um, as you can imagine, during the pandemic, um, as you know, everybody knows, everything came to a halt. Um, and so our volunteers, and, and our volunteers is incredible. They range from 18, to 75,80. Um, the average age, one might think, oh gee, you know, you, must, you must have pretty much all retired people. Well, the average age of our volunteers is about 34. Um, and you know they come from all different backgrounds um, and they're so inventive. Um, we have a lot of floral designers who have come and, and work with us. Um, so during the pandemic, um, we, you know, our, our floral, uh, our, our supply of donated flowers, it was, you know, limited, we couldn't assemble together. So we all went on zoom and we had different zoom sessions. Uh, we had people talking, you know, uh, demonstrating different types of, of, uh, flower arrangements. Uh, And then we got a call one time in early June, and I guess it was 2020, um, from Grow NYC, which is the large environmental organization that runs all the uh, food banks and markets and, and gardens throughout the city. And they have an urban garden where they grow, you know, vegetables as well as wildflowers on Governor's Island. And because the island was closed because of COVID, they asked us if we would, our volunteers would like to go out there and harvest the wildflowers that are grown under the shadow of Wall Street. And it's just a magnificent sight. And sure enough, you know, 15, 20 volunteers, we go out there, harvest the wildflowers, make arrangements, and then bring them back to our community partners, our nursing homes, our food pantries, our senior centers, Um, and it was just a, you know, a wonderful thing. And, and, uh, and that just kept, you know, going on and on and on. Um, and then this past year, um, actually it was 2021. Um, we got a call from, uh, a firm that has been in business for over 140 years. They're one of the original uh importer and manufacturer of silk flowers beautiful silk flowers from the far east and from europe and they were cutting back on their inventory and they said would you like we'd love to you know just take them off our hands and so we went up to they were up in yonkers and we just uh we took hundreds and thousands of silk flowers not sure and then our 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 volunteers and so talented people you know began to show how you make wonderful arrangements as well as silk flower cards and so we silk
0: flower what
1: cards cards they, oh, cards, uh uh-huh. we we uh, one of our one of our, our volunteers did a very popular youtube video in conjunction with grow nyc and demonstrated how you can make a wonderful card using silk flowers um, that then we taught the kids. And so we had a program a year ago throughout Brooklyn where kids and their families would pick up these kits. and They would look on YouTube and we would show them how to make these silk flower cards, which then were all distributed to many, many deserving, you know, people in, in nursing homes. As well as in food pantries and other other places, so it's it's really you know uh, the creativity of, of being able to save something and find a reuse for it. Um, and back in December, this past December, there was an article in the New York Times, which we were very fortunate to be be part of, and it talked about how important it was uh, volunteerism. And we have over I mentioned three hundred and fifty. Actually, we touch more than 2,500 people uh, each year and more. Um, and it, uh, it allowed them to really uh, survive and, and feel you know, much better about themselves because we deal with loneliness, we deal with social isolation and the flowers are just a way in which to break that social isolation and loneliness. And so, just by all these volunteers being able to come together, first on Zoom, and then we would assemble socially distance, you know, properly distance in parking lots because we couldn't go back to where we 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 have two churches that give us donated space, so we weren't able to go there for for a while until you know about a year and a half ago. So uh, it really has been a, a wonderful experience, uh, even though COVID was tough on everybody.
0: Yeah, wow, so um, right now <clears throat> you also do corporate workshops, I see on your website? Yes,
1: you- we, we, we do and, and one of our partners is New York Cares and for your listeners, New York Cares is probably the, the, the largest uh, volunteer umbrella organization in the country, it's, you know, it's based in New York and what it does is it it, it, it works uh, with nonprofit organizations and it places people who wanna volunteer uh, into volunteer opportunities with those uh, nonprofit organizations. So we are one of those nonprofit and we a number of our volunteers come through New York Cares. New York Cares also works with many companies, large and small, where uh, today, uh, young people uh, really want to give back. So their their employers uh, seek out volunteer opportunities and they work through New York Cares. They have a big corporate program. So New York Cares introduced us to some major companies like Credit Suisse and Barclays and NASDAQ. And we would, 15 of our volunteers would come into their corporate offices with buckets of flowers. We go to a conference room there'd be 25, 30 uh, employees, and we teach them how to, you know, cut, arrange the flowers, uh, talk about bloom again, and then we would take those arrangements, you know, 60, 80, 100 arrangements, and we would bring them back to our uh, corporate, our our community partners. We also uh, have workshops where corporations and companies will send their employees to us and we'll do them on site. We have two sites we work at. Uh, one is Plymouth Church in Brooklyn Heights Historic uh, Church, and then there's another church in Cobble in Hill that also gives us donated space. We're non-denominational, but, um, you know, everything has volunteered, and, and so we're very happy to, you know, have this space. Um, and they're, they're great partners of ours. So we have these workshops, um, you know, we hold them there uh at um you know where we are located
0: Mm -hmm. now i have another question going back to the silk cards when you had when you'd give kits to families were they making the cards and then giving the cards back to you to distribute or were they keeping the cards themselves
1: um no they would we uh they would bring the cards back this this took place over about a a uh, 10 day to two week period where they came, uh, I think it was right after Memorial Day. They picked up the kits. I think there were about were close to five, 600 families uh, that took part in this from in, in all over Brooklyn. And they made thousands of beautiful cards. I wish I, well, <laughs> i I I'd love to show you, they, they're just magnificent uh-huh. and, sure. and very, very creative. Um, and then they brought them back and then we distribute them to, you know, all over to our, our partners.
0: So where do you have those videos? Are they on your website?
1: They're on the website. They're also on YouTube. We have, you know, we have a YouTube channel up there.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's wonderful because, you know, I, I've done a lot of volunteering over the years. Um, for 25 years, I've partnered with a nonprofit called the River Fund where um, they are one of the largest food pantries in New York City and we would cook Thanksgiving um, a Thanksgiving meal for them and a Christmas meal for them and an Easter meal and we'd do all the cooking would take place in my home kitchen but I'd have oh. over a hundred volunteers that would come through during the weekend and we'd have a, a crayon station for the kids to make cards and you know and it was you know all hands on deck and we also had um, the men the young men and women's real estate association became partners with us and they would send volunteers so it was you know something that was going on like I said for 25 years and it just came to a halt with the pandemic because nobody want could cook you know could be in close contact and it wasn't something we could um you know have people do in their home and then bring to us so we really kind of were cut short but it was so wonderful to hear how you were able to um, really, you know, improvise and adapt to the change and still may, manage to get flowers and get them out there. Um,
1: it, it, amazing! It was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Um, but, um, you know, in, in the context of what you were talking about before in terms of, you know, the, the sadness that, you know, recent events, uh, there's so much good out there. And unfortunately, the, the focus is always, you know, on the bad and not enough on the good. Yeah. Um, but we're just amazed at the breadth of volunteerism that there is out there. I mean, we just um, we, we right now, we're, we're, we're so fortunate because we have a, a waiting list of volunteers. We we just don't have enough spots to be able to accommodate. And you know, I, I wish we could, you know, share these volunteers with other organizations that may, you know, that, that need them, you know, as much more than than we do. But we're just fortunate in the sense that that you know we have something so beautiful that we work with that has such an impact. But uh, volunteerism is such a, a a strong part of the American fabric. And it's really just, you know, channeling it. You know, you talked about uh, what you all did, you know, with uh, the food pantry and stuff. One of our oldest partners is a wonderful organization that works with homebound older adults called Heights and Hills. And every Thanksgiving up until COVID, they would host over 250 people for Thanksgiving dinner um, at, you know, one of the local churches and everybody was with in, And then of course, you know, that ended so, uh, having it in person, but then they were able to prepare food, uh, meals. And so we then, uh, put together the, the wildflower bouquets that went along with the food that was delivered to 250 people homebound you know older adults so it's just a nice add-on it Mm -hmm. tells someone that they you know someone really cares about Mm
0: -hmm. you know and as i mentioned earlier you know how food is a part of grief um you know it's woven into all these um you know sad situations food becomes a big part of it you bring food to people you bring them castles you try to help alleviate some of their sadness food when people come together food brings them together flowers do the same and you know having been in the volunteer world for so long and um an activist when i've talked to other activists and how do you keep the momentum going and how do you not get discouraged and what they say is by putting yourself surrounding yourself with other people doing good you know, like you were saying, you know, when you bring the volunteers together, you know, they feed off each other, too. And it, it helps with the loneliness and the social the social isolation um, in itself, just working together. And when people are depressed, there's nothing better to bring you out of depression than to help others. And um, so I think volunteerism is really an awesome thing and also repurposing things as you talked about how we need to keep things out of the landfill and how if you can um find ways to repurpose everything it it's just an amazing thing i know we have to move our office and shop with our family business soon and trying to you know scrap metal and find a place for glass and find a place for you know trying to recycle the stuff so that you're not just throwing it all in a dumpster is really a challenge and it takes some extra time but it's so worth it um if you can find people to use stuff
1: i i I couldn't agree with you more you're you're absolutely uh you know correct i think one of the things that COVID has brought to the forefront of our public consciousness is just you know how what a, you know there, there is a disease called social isolation and loneliness and it impacts you know so many people um and so volunteerism became a way in which to combat that uh and we're just kind of part of you know this fabric this this huge network of of organizations small and large uh you know it's it's just you know it starts you know with uh, you know sponsoring a little lemonade stand or something like that you know and gets bigger and bigger we're just you know we're just part of something that is a is it's a it's a huge positive force you know in our communities and in our country that needs to be uh understood and appreciated better and also needs to be you know uh it needs more public attention because you know again as we, we we focus in on you know the <laughs> the bad parts and we really need to bring ourselves up and look at the good parts
0: yeah i know like when i said i was looking for some happy news to yeah. write, write about it was like the best i could come up with were the ufos i mean it was really so sad there was so much sadness in the paper and it's hard to find happy news you know and so um you know, volunteerism and bringing people together and, um, you know, what you're creating is really great, happy news. Um, can you tell us a little bit of more about the teaching workshops that you do? Um, you actually have fla- floral designers teaching your volunteers how to make the arrangements?
1: Yeah, actually, the first the first workshop that we, we conducted was at. Uh, uh, Cobble Hill healthcare center, which is our kind of model, uh, you know, nursing home. And, um, we, uh, we saw that, that, um, sort of miraculous things happen, uh, with people with varying, uh, illnesses or diseases, whether, you know, whether it's Alzheimer's dementia or what have you, when they are working with flowers, um and this has been kind of documented scientifically uh in different research studies that flower is especially among older populations have an ability for people to all of a sudden recapture certain senses and skills that are otherwise you know been been you know minimized uh because of the condition that they're they're suffering And we've seen this, we saw this in in one one wonderful place called the Center for Nursing and Rehab, and their recreation director, who was a trained um, uh, psychologist, was documenting uh, many of a number of her uh, residents there who responded, you know, uh, amazingly to working with flowers. Uh, she now, uh, went on to, she teaches at St. Joseph's college and we go into St. Joseph's college now with her, you know, she has the classes and we teach the kids how, how to, you know, you know, make flowers and arrangements and stuff like that. But there's, there's, there's a a real connection there. It's not, it's not just a, a, happiness feeling. It's, it's something that's real and that has been scientifically, you know, shown. So Mm -hmm. on a much broader scale, this conceivably could be uh, a part of uh, a program uh, and, you know, properly funded, so that flowers floral therapy could be part of a program for dealing with um, dementia, Alzheimer's, and other types of afflictions. Um, and, you know, we, we, we see it all the time. It's just that, you know, we don't have the resources to document it to, to the extent that we, we would like to be able to.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, they say smell is one of the strongest senses and flowers. That's such a big part of flowers. Although I have to say flowers these days don't smell as much. Have you noticed that too? I'm sure that flowers don't have um, the same smell that they used to have.
1: I, I guess, you know, when, when you're around flowers as much as we are, <laughs> it, it's not that you become immune. I, I remember uh, just this past weekend, we happened to have been, been up uh, on our bikes up in, you know, upstate New York. And, and you know, there's a, there's a, a beautiful little flower that grows wild, wild called flock. And it has this wonderful, you know, the smell to it. So, you know, I, you know, it, it all depends. I think, you know, in some instances, yes. And, and others, you, you know, it's all seasonal. Soon, mm-hmm. we're going to get into, um, what is it? The, the purple flower that comes out, uh, peonies, peonies. No, it's, it has a different, uh, um,
0: lilac?
1: lilacs, lilacs. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I have two different types of lilac bushes on my property and one is already over and one is just starting. But yeah, the lilacs are beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. But I know people have said, you know, flowers don't smell as much as they used to. And I know in the food world, a lot of vegetables don't have as strong a taste as they used to. You know, when things are being gr- grown commercially, commercially, very often they don't have the same um, qualities that they had when they were more wild.
1: Well, it, it could well be true. I mean, I'm not, I'm not denying yeah. that. I, I, I guess we're going to have to, you know, hire our, our, uh, smell testers and, and see what, <laughs> you know, verify that or not. Uh huh.
0: Uh huh. Um, so, do you have plans of expanding more, or are you at your limit? Um, I know you. We touched on the idea of franchising, but did has that gone anywhere? Have you had other organizations I know you've said people have reached out to you from all over have you actually been able to mentor some other organizations to replicate what you're doing
1: we have from from afar uh not as much as we'd like because you know we just we just have our hands full our our priority is to build the foundation of bloom again brooklyn so that we're operating seven days a week that we have a permanent uh, full-time staff that we end up having our own uh, facility, so that we could do so much more uh, if we had, you know, the tools, of refrigeration, and the space, and ultimately, you know, uh, the drivers. Because uh, there's no doubt that um, we could. I mean, as it is, you know, we 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 will uh, deliver close to. Uh, 15 oh, 1800 1, arrangements uh, a month uh, we have diverted over 1.8 million flowers from the from a solid waste stream um we've touched you know over 70 80 thousand recipients we could awesome. you know we could triple <clears throat> quadruple those numbers um, because the the demand is there uh we have the Reservoir of volunteers, uh, the extensions, you know, the, the school programs, the corporate programs, um, you know, they're they're all there. So it's just a question of having the the resources, the financial resources, uh, and the people power uh, to do it. So that's our that's our focus is that we really want to institutionalize Bloom Again Brooklyn, so so that you know it it then could become a replicated, you know, model for for other, you know, other places.
0: Yeah. So, um, What are your plans going forward? Do you have
1: um, what? Are- I, I didn't hear you. I think you said, uh, what are the plans going forward? Yeah. Um, well, um, we uh, we're back out uh, at Governor's Island uh, starting uh, Next week, so that we go out there now once a week uh, to harvest. We actually planted wildflowers the, the last fall uh, with Grow NYC. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're now doing a lot of corporate workshops um, because now people are back at work in the offices, and so that's keeping us you know very busy. Uh, last week we just had our uh, we call our spring flame gala, uh, which we had once before in 2019. And of course, you know uh, nobody got together after you know with COVID, so we were able to come back and we had 275 people at Plymouth wow. Church, uh, and it was a a wonderful wonderful uh, occasion, and we honored. Uh, the uh, president of uh, our, you know, partner, uh, the YWCA, a wonderful woman who is committed. Uh, you know, she built 300. You know, this this facility, and she's the one that built the residences for the 300 women, and she has all kinds of different programs there. So we're we're really we're we're uh, we're our mission, in addition to breaking isolation, is to enhance. The missions of the of our partners really because we're just you know we can't reach them unless we're partners with them because it's their it's the people they serve that we then help them to serve so we're we're not an end unto ourselves we're we're you know just sort of we bring other people together and we make people you know happy and more more effective so and and we're just going to continue to do that
0: yeah. So if some of my listeners want to volunteer, how would they get involved?
1: Well, they go online uh, to our website. Uh, they'll uh, sign up and uh, we have a fairly efficient process, uh, something called Sign Up Genius. Uh, I have to say, though, that, that because of the d- demand and the, the, the fact that we're, you know, we we used to be able to handle about thirty five to forty volunteers uh, at each of our sessions. We had to cut it all the way back to ten to fifteen because of COVID. Now we you know we've been able to go back up to around twenty to twenty five. So but still uh, you know we have regular volunteers. We try to you know bring in new people. So there is it's sort of a waiting list, but we try to integrate people as quickly as we possibly can. To give them an opportunity to to volunteer, so uh, they go on the website, sign up, and they'll he'll hear back from us.
0: Mm-hmm. And what what are your biggest challenges? What what holds you back the most? Would you say?
1: Well, um, supply. We're in the flower business. If if uh, if we you know if we don't get a certain amount of of donated flowers, whether it's from florists, events or from our retail partners, uh, then that you know, restricts our, our capabilities. Um, the challenging part really is, is, is financial. Um, you know, we, 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 we have uh, received a number of, of small foundation grants. Um, we don't receive any government funding. Um, we don't fall, sort of fall into that category um and so it really depends on individual donations. Um so you know it's it's always a challenge for any nonprofit to be able to you know do what they want to do and achieve the the mission uh because it requires a certain amount of of uh you know financial resources. Um and but our challenge really is is how to manage the growth um we have uh we're in the luxury, as I said, about you know, a reservoir of volunteers, our community partners, you know, grow and, and we'd and like to be able to satisfy as many people as we can and organizations. Our school program just is really beginning. We we're in seven schools. Um we could triple that, but again, that's the challenge. Challenges to manage the growth.
0: Yeah. I was gonna ask you whether you, you know venture out to Long Island, but I guess just in Brooklyn, you can't even manage all the schools that you have in Brooklyn.
1: Uh yeah, no, we haven't yeah, but we do we do go out to Long Island uh to pick up flowers for weddings and events. Uh Uh-huh. So um you know it's it's we'll go, you know, within a maybe a two hour, two and a half hour drive, um if you know if it makes sense for the donor, uh, whether it's a wedding or a corporate event.
0: Right, right. So um, I know at a lot of weddings, people you know tell people to take the centerpieces home. Do people who make arrangements with you do they do that ahead of time and then tell their guests not to take the flowers home, or how do they logistically work with that out?
1: Yes, that's a good good question. Um, they have to give us you know a certain amount of of notice. You know, usually, it needs to be at least four weeks. Um, because we have to put uh, our drivers on on notice. Uh, We negotiate the terms. Whenever um, a a bride or a wedding planner reaches out to us, Um, we we have to make an assessment based on what the arrangements are, what we're gonna be picking up, how it's broken down. And so, therefore, we determine what the actual costs are going to be for you know for pickup and, and transportation. We then uh, request that they make a donation, uh, depending on the size of the wedding, uh, to you know to Bloom Again Brooklyn. And you know, once all that's into place, you know, then then it's fine and and. Uh, but usually we, we do require you know at least four weeks notice and especially today although we get calls the day before saying hey can yeah. you come and pick up our flowers
0: yeah and depending where it is and if you no. can you will well, so um, do you have set um, relationships with catering halls like you know I know that on Long Island as you mentioned there's so many places that have multiple weddings every weekend.
1: We uh, uh, we do we uh, all the the major venues here in New York City, whether it's the Rainbow Room or Cipriani's or the plaza um, uh, and, you know, uh, know, hotels, uh, we now have uh, arrangements with them, Uh, not formalized arrangements, but they know who we are so that, you know, uh, they can recommend uh, us uh, to one of their, their clients. We just, uh, now we're in the process of doing, uh, arrangements with the Metropolitan Museum. So, uh, we did pick up from the Met Gala. Um, we, we uh, we picked up when, when Amazon had a, uh, opening party for the, I guess it was the Ricardos, we picked up those flowers, uh-huh. um, we pick up a lot of flowers for celebrities that we can't name because you know they don't right, let us right. use their name. But um, you know when they have big events, so uh, we're you know we're out there.
0: That's great. That is great. Well, Rick, it's been yeah. just such a great pleasure to speak with you and to talk about something happy.
1: Well, um thank and.
0: You. And the good that you're doing and how many people you're making happy. It's just awesome. So I want to thank you and your wife, Caroline, for the hard work you're doing and the inspiration that you're providing for so many people and the opportunity for people to volunteer. And, you know, just the volunteering is coming out of loneliness. So thank you for your work. All of my listeners out there, thank you. And please be generous. Make a donation to Bloom Again Brooklyn. Help their work. And um, have a great rest of the week. Thank you, Rick.
1: Thank you so much, Bhavani. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you reaching out. Thanks. Thank you. Everyone
0: out there, have a great rest of the week. And I'll see you all again next week. Bye for now.